with just one more week till the Super Bowl, we have basically one more important event, or rather two important events left before we hit the big game. We have the Pro Bowl and we have the NFL Honor Show. I don't really give a crap about the Pro Bowl game, though, you know, it is sometimes interesting to watch. You know, some of the games have been exciting over the past couple of years, but the NFL Honor Show, it's a show that tends to get a lot of controversy in terms of its winners. To me, I think it's a great event. I think that, I mean, it's one more way that, you know, NFL players can get their recognition. Now, I've been thinking about how I want to make this episode. Would I release a set of episodes in terms of the nominees, or would I just release one continuous episode? Now, if we were still in the regular season, then I probably would have gone with the former idea, just because at that point in time, we really didn't have a great idea of who the winners would be uh, per each category, and I think that, you know, that would make a really good episode per each section. Uh, But I think that now we have a pretty good idea of who is going to win each award, And so, yeah, that's basically going to be the topic for this podcast. Basically, I just want to go over, you know, my predictions for each of the award, each category. And starting off, we have the Coach of the Year Award. Now, I was thinking about how these awards would play out back in week 14 when we had a bunch of candidates for the Coach of the Year Award. Now, at that point, I basically had five candidates. Matt LaFleur, Cliff Kingsbury, Zach Taylor, Mike Vrabel, and Bill Belichick. All these candidates, you know, at that point in time had their reason. You take LaFleur... He's a guy that's been robbed of the award two years in a row prior to this year. He took a pretty bad Packers team with Mike McCarthy and turned it into one of the best teams in the league. Three 13-win seasons in a row, three division titles, two first seeds. This guy's been incredible. And while he might have not exactly had the same success without Aaron Rodgers, I still think that it would be pretty much nearly as good. This year, everything looked good, and they had the first seed. They had another first-round bye. And the date with the NFC Championship game looked inevitable three years in a row. And yet they fell in the divisional. The re- this is really the reason why I can't give Matt LaFleur the award. And it's simply because, I mean, the Packers choked. And had they had gone to, really, the NFC Championship game, honestly, even then, that probably wouldn't have been enough considering that they've gone to the NFC Championship game three years in a row. They have to move on. So really, my prediction cannot be Matt LaFleur. I think that at this point... I think we've all established the fact that because the Packers lost in the divisional game, let alone the NFC Championship game, that this season was a failure and that this was the last year that they could have got it done. And they, again, they choked. To me, Bill Belichick and Cliff Kingsbury are similar. Both teams started fantastically with the Cardinals starting with a 7-0 record and the Patriots heading to Week 15 with a 9-4 record. But with rocky ends of the season for both teams, You can make the case to take away their nomination. But Bill Belichick and Cliff Kingsbury were both embarrassed in the playoffs. Belichick and the Patriots lost by 30 against the Bills, and the Cardinals were smacked by the Rams. That in itself is another reason why you can't give the award to these two. Vrabel is an option simply because the Titans, a team that was injured to hell and back, were still able to get the first seed. But like the Packers, the Titans were upset by the Bengals even while being a first seed. This is the second year in a row that the Titans, coming to the playoffs with expectations, have been a one-and-done team. Again, that's a reason why I cannot give the award to Mike Vrabel. So my prediction for the 2022 Coach of the Year award will be Zach Taylor. Taylor isn't getting a lot of credit for the Bengals' success. I mean, he does have a great roster that has a ton of talent, specifically on offense. You have Joe Burrow, who has been incredible this year. Jamar Chase has had a historic season, and other guys like T. Higgins and already star running back Joe Mixon to sum up a great offense. But 
If we go back to 2019, this was a team that was in shambles. Andy Dalton was the quarterback, and honestly, he just simply had to go. A.J. Green was well out of his prime. Uh, You had the defense that was just absolutely terrible. And Taylor Winton fixed it all up with some help. He drafted Chase Burrow and Higgins. He turned the defense into an above-average unit. And now a team that was playing in the Tank Bowl only two years ago is now playing in the Super Bowl. If they don't give it to Taylor, I mean, at this point, I mean, I think you have to give it to maybe McVay, another great coach who's had a great year. But to me, Taylor has checked all the boxes. Now, if we move on to the Defensive Player of the Year, uh, this is honestly an easier prediction I can make. And to be honest, calling this a prediction is already is an insult. But anyway, the Defensive Player of the Year... At this point, if anybody talks about the Defensive Player of the Year and doesn't say TJ Watt, I think we might have to check if they're high. Watt had one of the best years from a Defensive Player of all time. 22 and a half sacks, 5 forced fumbles, 39 quarterback hits, 64 combined tackles. You get my point. And part of me honestly wanted him to break the single season sack record. I mean, Watt had a historic season, and it's kind of disappointing that the Steelers in itself weren't exactly a top team this year, but... Again, just an incredible year by T.J. Watt. Watt checked all the boxes, too. I mean, he had a stellar stat line in some defensive stat. He made a big impact for his team, and he took his team to the playoffs. Some guys get away from just checking two out of three of those boxes, and sometimes even one box, but Watt checked all three boxes, and he's been a menace all year. And keep in mind, those 22 and a half sacks came in only 15 games, not even 16, let alone 17 games. Easy prediction that will likely be correct. Now let's move on to the Offensive Player of the Award, and we move to an award that is given to a player on the other side of the field on offense. And, you know, this is another easy one that is pretty much locked up, and so my prediction for the Offensive Player of the Year Award will go to Cooper Cup. I think that this one, it's not really a prediction, it's just like the last one. It's it's kind of an insult to call it a prediction just because at this point it's pretty much a lock. I think Cooper Cup knows that this award is a lock for him, But anyway, I'll give you three numbers, 145, 1047, and 16. Receptions, yards, touchdowns. Cup is the ultimate story of just honestly so close. I mean, he was five receptions away from breaking Michael Thomas's reception record. He was 15 yards away from breaking Calvin Johnson's receiving yards record. But see, here's what's so special about Cup's season that will put him in the history books. And specifically the reason why he had the greatest season a receiver can ever have. Michael Thomas was insane catching close to 10 passes a game, but he was basically a slant god. Calvin Johnson was insane catching 122 receptions along with the 1964 yards, but he only caught 5 touchdowns. Cup nearly broke the reception and receiving yards record and still put up 16 touchdowns. And this is all coming out of the slot. And, you know, his catches weren't just short five-yard gains like what Michael Thomas had when he was playing for the Saints that year. I mean, he was making long grabs, and he had multiple 100-yard games. And so, again, this is another no-brainer. Cooper Cup, my prediction for the Offensive Player of the Year award. Now, the Comeback Player of the Year award. This is an award that's personally a favorite of mine. I love the story behind this award. The player who had an injury or a down season the year prior to come back and have an elite-level season. Now, honestly, we really have two direct candidates, Dak Prescott and Joe Burrow. Honestly, I don't think you can give the award to anybody else. Now, personally, this is going to be a hard award to discuss because picking any one of these two quarterbacks would be an insult to the other. Now, Dak Prescott is coming off a career-altering injury that could have ended his career. 
And he came back and was exceptional for most of the year, 4,409 yards and 37 touchdowns. Just a great year, and that would normally give Dak the award. But then we look at Joe Burrow and his situation. Now, Joe Burrow is heading into his second year, coming off an ACL tear, though not nearly as significant, and put up 4,611 yards and 34 touchdowns. Now, he has very similar stats to Dak, but the stats don't really tell the whole story here. Burrow, as said earlier, is only in his second year. Dak is in his sixth. Burrow is playing in a much harder division. Dak plays in the worst division in football. And finally, Burrow is playing in the Super Bowl, and Dak and the Cowboys were eliminated in the wildcard game. I don't want to take anything away from Dak here. I think he had a great year, especially coming off a devastating injury. I mean, that's certainly nothing to frown at. But the fact that Burrow is playing in the Super Bowl in his second year in itself is enough justification for me. Burrow is my prediction. Now, offensive and defensive rookies of the year. Now we move on to the rookies of the year, offensive and defensive. Jamar Chase and Micah Parsons. Like at this point, anybody else makes your prediction invalid. To put it simply, Chase is a no-brainer because of his historic season, over 1,450 yards, 13 touchdowns. I mean, I probably would have given Mac Jones the nod over Chase back in Week 14, but Jones has looked really shaky over the past couple of weeks. And Chase, well, he went off for 260 yards against the Chiefs in Week 17. Case closed. Now, Micah Parsons is also a no-brainer as well. To be honest, I don't really think that we have any other really good defensive rookies this year besides Michael Parsons and Patrick Sertain. Sertain had a good year, and he was pretty locked down, but Parsons had 13 sacks, 84 combined tackles, and 20 tackles for loss. Guy was unstoppable. And I believe that he was also an inside linebacker, uh, but the Cowboys defense coordinator Dan Quinn used him everywhere, and he was, like I said, he was still unstoppable. He also earned All-Pro and Pro Bowl honors as a rookie, and so, like I said, this one's a no-brainer. I've got Chase and Parsons as my prediction. Now, finally, for the award of the night, the MVP award. This award is usually the award of the night, and it's generally pretty much a no-brainer. Though, not this year. We have two candidates, Brady versus Rodgers. Both players led their teams to 13-4 records. Both teams were unstoppable all year long and both players were shockingly eliminated from the playoffs in the Divisional. I was betting on the fact that this award would be determined in the NFC Championship game, but now we have to base off our ideas of what we saw in the regular season. Brady has the volume in terms of his stats, 5,316 passing yards and 43 touchdowns. Again, he was a guy that was unstoppable this year. He also completed 485 completions, the most in NFL history. But if Rodgers won, it would be because of his efficiency. He led the league in passer rating, touchdown percentage, and interception percentage. Brady might have overall good numbers and volume, but Rodgers has the advanced stats. Now, honestly, we might see a co-MVP this year. Seriously, this is an award where both candidates were spectacular, and giving the award to one of these players would be an insult to the other. But for me, if the co-MVP award does not happen then for me, it's going to be Rodgers. Due to the fact that he just had insane efficiency numbers, he led an injury-riddled team to the playoffs, not to mention the first seed, and gave the Packers everything that he had. But if Brady wins, which he might, then his insane final year in the league will go as one of the best ever. The fact that he's thrown for over 5,000 yards and 40 touchdowns at 44 years old is nothing to scoff at. And so yeah, this award could go down as a co-MVP award, though it's likely not to happen. 
But again, Rodgers had a great year efficiency-wise, but Brady had the sheer volume of his stats. And so, honestly, you could give it to both guys. For me, it's probably going to be Rodgers. But for right now, honestly, it could go to anyone. But yeah, let me know what you guys think. Thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast, and I'll catch you guys later. Peace out.